Alrighty, hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of the Scriptures Revealed Podcast. And we are continuing our journey into the 52 stories of the Bible. It is amazing what we're getting ready to discover, to walk through, to discuss as we journey through the Bible together. Now, I know uh, there have been some episodes on delay and I'm glad that you guys are still with me and hanging in there. And for that, you're going to get this episode and then in a few hours, a Another episode is dropping. So you're going to get story number two and story number three uh, in the same day. And then by the end of the week, you'll be getting story number four so that we can keep on track with our journey. Now, last week, we discussed story number one, which was in the beginning. We dealt with the creation story up to uh, chapter one in Genesis one through 26 or one through 25, I believe, and um, kind of walked through that story. And I'm telling you, we learned some amazing amazing things. So if you missed that episode, you want to be sure to go back and listen to it. And if you didn't miss it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it again anyway. It was phenomenal. Uh, as a as a backdrop of what we talked about, one of the fundamental things that I want us to grab a hold of is that when we are reading Genesis chapter 1 and we're walking through the creation story, the God that we are seeing on the creation scene is the God that we are introduced to in the New Testament and we call his name Jesus. I'm telling you, that is a beautiful mystery and revelation that God the Father is the one with the plan. He's the one with the intentions. He is the one with the the full scope of what what the uh, uh, design is of the Godhead. But when God gets ready to implement a plan, he's going to release and, and call forth the function and the manifestation of Jesus Christ. You're going to see it over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Whenever God begins to manifest himself in our realm, he comes in the form of Jesus Christ. And so we walk through that and, and kind of unfolded uh, parts of that revelation in story number one. Now, we're going to go to the next part of the story here. And and it is it is fascinating that as we begin to walk through the Bible and we understand that we we're talking about the creation story and God bringing life into the planet earth and, and God creating this entire world, which is really an extension of his own revelation, an extension of a revelation of himself. We come to the very crowning of creation. And that is how I want us to look at it. When you come to the creation of man, because that is story number two, when, you, when you're dealing with the creation of mankind, you're dealing with the crown of creation. As, as God began to, to speak the world into existence and put everything in its proper place. We come to the apex of creation. It's the crux of the whole matter, and it is the creation of mankind. So let's pick this story up uh, in the book of Genesis, and let's see. We left off in Genesis one twenty-five. So let's pick up in Genesis one twenty-six, and let's look at some things here and see what we can discover. Because we have a lot to cover in a short amount of time about the creation of mankind. So here it is. Uh, Verse 26 says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Now, I want us to understand something here that when we look in the text and it says, let us make man in our image, the word there is Adam. 
The word there is Adam. And it's going to be very important for us to understand that to keep everything in context because from Genesis 1, 26, all the way until Genesis 2, verse 23, we have an understanding that when man is mentioned is when Adam is mentioned, we're talking about mankind. Okay. When God says, let us make man, the word there is mankind. And the other word there is Adam. Okay. Adam means mankind. When you think about Adam, we're talking about mankind in this context. And when you go further through the old Testament, you're going to notice that God always uses that word Adam when he's addressing mankind. And he uses a different word when he's addressing the male version of the mankind and he uses a different word when he's addressing the female version of mankind but that's important so in genesis 126 we have god saying and god said let us make man or adam in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Interesting here again is that God says, let us make Adam in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. So we see here that the Adam or the man that God is referencing in Genesis 26, we see the, 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 the aim here is there are plural forms on all sides. You have God saying, let us. So God is now identifying the fact that he is one, but he is also in us. And then he says, let us make man. And then he says them. So he's talking about man. He's talking about man. And then he's talking about them. So the them is the man and the us is God. Okay. Do you see uh, the parallel here between God and man? You have God singular, us plural. You have man singular, them plural. You see the duality and all of that. And God is saying, we're going to make mankind, male and female, because we're talking about the race, the human race. We're going to make them in our image after our likeness. That phrase there, you can get into a lot of theological discussion about the image and the likeness of God. And that is a course and a teaching all in itself. But if I was to put it in a nutshell, when you look at that word, word image and likeness, we're dealing with the concept of God saying, I need to make a physical representative. He's saying two things. Number one, I need to make a physical representative for this planet. And this representative needs to represent the Godhead. So what God is saying is I've, I've created a, a world here. I've renovated it. I've, I've reestablished it. I've given it purpose. I've given it design. Now I've got to put a representative here that is going to represent the interests, that is going to represent the likings, that is going to represent the laws, that are going to represent the decrees of us, the Godhead. So man was put here as a physical representation of the Godhead. So with the birth, God says, hey, I got my own world that I'm in. The angels are subject to me. I'm running a civilization here. I've now created a new world. And now I'm going to put somebody there that's going to represent my interests. Okay. So let me create a human representative there. That's what he's saying. On the flip side of that, he said, in my likeness, which means God is saying, I not only want physical representation there, I want this physical representation to be my offspring. Now, that is a powerful statement. 
God is basically saying, I want to create a race of people that's going to represent my interests in this planet. And then I also know that in order for them to represent my interests in the best possible way, they've got to be my offspring. So I want my offspring in the earth. And I want my, I love this is powerful. If you would really meditate and think about this, God is saying, I want my offspring in the earth. And so I'm going to create a new race of people that are going to be of my offspring. They're going to be of my kin. Do you get it? That, that, that when you really begin to break down the word this is a uh, just a bonus here when you begin to break down the word that God is king of kings and that God is and the, when the nation of Israel eventually begins to ask for a king and God is saying y'all are asking for physical representation but I am your king when you understand kings and their rulership you understand that kings build nations based on kin kin is a derivative from the word king so if, if whatever a king was you could find their kin somewhere and it it made up the royal family, it made up the government, and it eventually made up the citizens of that nation. When you do uh, um, study and research on that, what am I saying? God is saying, hey, I am king. I am your sovereign ruler, but I'm getting ready to create a new race of people in the earth that are going to be my kin. And because they are kin to me, they will become an extension of my kingship, of my kingdom, of my rulership. That's why he said, if I'm going to create it in my likeness and image, then it necessitates them to have authority and dominion. All right. So the creation of mankind, what you cannot talk about mankind without talking about dominion without talking about authority because the byproduct of being created in the image of God is dominion and authority anything that is kin to God must have dominion and must have authority so that's what God established there and now the interesting thing here is that Genesis 126 says basically God has this beautiful idea to create man then we get to verse 27 it says so God in other words, acted on his bright idea. God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and he and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, again, this is an entire course, but I want to highlight some things for you, is that when we talk about dominion, the way God gave the mankind dominion was giving them four tools or instructions in order to walk in their dominion number one he said be fruitful he said be fruitful part of being fruitful is how you exercise dominion which means you do not have dominion or you're not walking in dominion and you're not walking in authority if you are not bearing fruit <laughs> so bearing fruit is a part of how you exert the dominion and the authority that God has given you number two not only did he said to be fruitful but he also said to multiply so not only do I want you to bear fruit I want you to multiply y'all want you to 
multiply yourself. If you want to exert dominion and authority, it's not just about telling somebody what to do. It is what do you have the ability to be fruitful in and what do you have the ability to multiply? Because whatever you are multiplying is, is that's what you're dominating in. That's where your rulership is. Oh man, this is, this is good. This is good. <laughs> multiply. Number three, replenish the earth. What are you able to do again and again and make sure that all of that gets filled? To replenish means to refill, to refill it, to supply it. Uh, even when you fast forward to the book of Ephesians, the Bible says that we are the body of Christ and that we are, should be supplying every member of the body with what we have to give. Supply. Supply. What is your supply? Because your dominion, your authority is located in your supply. What are you able to give? That is where your dominion is. And then number four, he says, then subdue it. Replenish the earth and then subdue it. You can't tell anybody or anything what to do, where to go, where to stop, where to be released. You don't have any of that because you don't have any fruit. You're not multiplying and you're not refi- you're not replenishing. You're not supplying anything. You, that's why people who are not even when you're talking about fruit, you're you're dealing with the fruit of the spirit and you're and you're being fruitful in your character. If you don't have the right character, you're going to short circuit your dominion. You're going to short circuit your authority. Now, the kicker to all of this is that you get to Genesis 1, God has his bright idea, he acts on the bright idea, and then the Bible says that God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This is what God did on day six. We we come to chapter 2, verse 1, and the Bible says that God is resting on the seventh day. The problem is, it looks like we go into the seventh day, and then and we reverse back to day six because then we go back into the creation of mankind again. Do you, do you see that? You see God ending day six at the end of chapter one. And then we get down to uh, verse, uh, let's see here, seven in chapter two. And it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. You see here, then another creation of mankind. But God already created man in chapter one. What is going on here? We are getting insight to the fact of this. This is beautiful. This is we're talking about the wonder of the creation of humanity is that God creates mankind and he does all of that but the first part of man he creates is the spirit man is a spirit he has a soul which is his mind his will and his emotions and he lives inside of a body what we gain insight to into chapter one is God creating the spirit watch this God created the spirit of man but God formed the body of man (laughs) I'm going to say that to you again. God in Genesis 1 created the spirit of man, but then in Genesis 2, he formed the body of man. And when the created spirit got inside of the formed body, we had what came to life was a living soul. What came to life was a living person. What came to life was a complete picture of the human race God wanted in the in the earth. What God wanted in the planet. God had a king in the earth and the name of that king was Adam. The name of that king was mankind. The name of that king was not male and the name of that king was not female. The name of that king was the Adam. And, and how God did it was he took the created spirit, put it inside of a formed body, and then we got the realization of that king. 
Now, th- this this is powerful. I, I got to pack a, a few more things in here because this is just a great story. So God is creating mankind. So watch this. When God said to be fruitful, when God said to multiply, and when God said to replenish, and when God said to subdue, he was talking to the created spirit of man. It was the spirit of man that was supposed to be fruitful. It was the spirit of man that was supposed to multiply. It was the spirit of man that was supposed to replenish. And it was the spirit of man that was supposed that was supposed to subdue. That's why your greatest warfare is going to be spiritual. That's why if you're not having productivity in your life, where you need to start at is what's going on in the spirit of a man. If you're not producing in your life, what's going on in the spirit of a man? If I'm not multiplying, if I'm not supplying anything, if I'm not finding purpose, if I'm not understanding why I am here, the first place I need to look at is the spirit of a man. Because the purpose of man is in his spirit. Because man didn't get a formed body until the created spirit of man had a purpose. When God gave the purpose to the spirit, then the spirit had a reason to get inside of a body. Now watch that. So God does that. But another thing I want us to look at is that what God did in order to bring forth what he created in the spirit and bring it forth into the natural, the Bible says he took a day and he took a season to rest. And it was out of the rest of God that he moved into the manifestation of what he created. I'm telling you, that is a powerful principle. You can create in the spirit. You can build in the spirit. You can you can uh, uh, process stuff in the spirit. But when it's time for manifestation and when it's time to bring it forth into the realm of the scene, the way you get from the unseen realm to the seen realm is you enter a season called rest. You come out of the struggle and you go into rest because rest is how you move into manifestation. Now, that is free and extra there. But this, my my friend is the creation of the human race. Now watch this one more thing here. So all of this Genesis one, Genesis two, we're talking about mankind. We're talking about the Adam and the Adam was the male and the female. Okay. Then Adam uh, is walking the planet and then he realized that he has no helper. He has no companion. He has no partner to help partner with him and, and, and to help him fulfill his purpose and his mission. So watch this. God then puts Adam, the Adam, the mankind, he puts the mankind to sleep. Watch this in verse 21 of chapter two. And the Lord God calls a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Adam is mankind. Adam is the human race. So I can read it this way. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the human race and the human race slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Now, what I hate about King James, what I hate about other translations is that this is a horrible translation here of the word rib. The word there is not rib. This word is utilized in numerous other places in the scriptures and you should take time to research it out. I'm out of time. So I got to rush and give you this. <laughs> there are other numerous places in the scriptures that have that, that terminology uh, that is used there in the Hebrew for rib. And it's a bad translation to say rib. The word there is not rib, but side. God did not take a rib out of the mankind, out of the Adam. What he took was the side. Now, when you, when you couple that with Genesis chapter one and, and the first part of two, you understand that when God created the Adam, he created the male and the female male created he them that's what the bible that's what your bible says <laughs> that male and female created he them he and he created the adam and he called them 
Adam. So what God did when he put the Adam to sleep was the male female created he them in Adam. When he put the Adam to sleep, he took the female side uh, out and, and, and made a one man. Now, I'm not saying that Adam was a, oh, was a freak of nature and that Adam was where I'm not getting into all of that. And I'm not alluding to any of that. But I, I think is I think is error to try to let our minds go into that type of stuff because we're trying to understand we don't know what that Adam looked like in Genesis 1. We don't know what Adam looked like in the first part of Genesis 2 because we have a male and a female inside of, uh, of one formed body. And, and the Bible says that male and female, he created them. So they were already created. The male female was created. It was just put inside of one body. But when Adam needed a partner, God put the Adam to sleep and took a side out of him. Well, what side would he have taken? He would have taken the side out of Adam that had the female side in him because they were all in one. It's in, it's in your Bible, Genesis 1. They were all in one. So God put Adam to sleep and took the, a side out of Adam, then closed his flesh up and presented the new side to Adam. He said, Adam, in other words, Adam, this is what was in you the whole time. I've now just taken it out of you so that now you can partner with it. Now you can have companionship with it. Now there can be intimacy with it. And that's why uh, uh, the, the scripture then goes on to says, this is why, man. Uh, leaves his father and his mother and cleaves unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. Why? The, the, the thing here was you got, you're going back to being one because you were one in the beginning, but I've made you two so that you can make the decision to become one again. <laughs> Man, now that is loaded in itself. Again, I am out of time, guys, but I wanted to talk you and walk you through this story of the creation of mankind. God created mankind, humanity, male and female. Not just because he didn't have anything else to do is that he wanted kings in the earth. He wanted kings in the earth. And so he needed a physical representation, somebody that will represent the interests of the Godhead. So he created mankind. Do you know why you exist? Because you were supposed to represent the interests of the Godhead in the earth. Subdue it. Walk in dominion. Be fruitful. Multiply. Walk in your authority. Walk in your purpose. Because when you do, you are showcasing the interests of the Godhead and you are being an extension of the king because you are kin to him. You are of his offspring. You are of the offspring of the Godhead. That is, that's the part of the miracle of the new birth that we're eventually going to get into. But I'm telling you, the creation of mankind is the crown of all creation. It is God giving the earth her rightful king. I'll see you all next episode.